0: This episode of the Oz Movie Geek podcast is sponsored by Kix. Kix is an online film and television retailer specializing in the latest Sony, Universal and Paramount films and television shows. You can use the exclusive code OZGEEK15 to receive 15% off your order. Thank you to the wonderful team at Kix. Now to the review. Welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado, and today I'll be covering Marvel's latest entry, and that is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, uh, a film that I guess has had one of the most difficult productions in recent years. Uh, just due to the fact that uh, the star of the first film, the Black Panther himself, T'Challa, played by the late, great Chadwick Boseman, did pass away in 2020, uh, and this film was already in pre-production. It hadn't started principal photography yet, but I would say that it was on the verge of doing so, uh, as these films do take a fair bit of time to put together. Uh, once we have principal photography, we have post-production as well, which sees you know all the wonderful CGI work that goes into these films and yeah Chadwick Boseman uh, was uh, battling colon cancer uh, and yeah unfortunately uh, did pass away which is very very sad Uh, he was only 43 years old and only had the one solo outing as the Black Panther so very disappointing Um, and I can't imagine the stress that the crew behind the scenes went through now We have more traditional um, problems in a lot of films like what the Flash movie is going through at the moment due to the legal troubles of its star, Ezra Miller. Uh, But I guess this is more trouble behind the scenes that we're not really used to. Very rarely do you see an actor um, at such a high calibre pass away so suddenly. Uh, I guess the most recent example prior to this would have been um, Star Wars The Last Jedi, um, which had finished principal photography with uh, Carrie Fisher, but unfortunately, she did pass away. So, because she did pass, um, we only got a handful of scenes of her in Rise of Skywalker, which was used from um, you know archive footage. Uh, and then even before that, we had uh, Furious Seven, the seventh Fast and the Furious film uh, in in twenty. 20- Uh, 14, we saw the passing of Paul Walker, and that film was near completion uh, when Paul Walker did pass away. So they used his um, brothers, who do look very similar to him, to fill in some close up shots uh, so they could retire the character respectfully. But I guess with this film, uh, as it wasn't under uh, production already, I guess it had to just go, you know, like undergo a lot of. you know, uh, changes to the story itself. And director Ryan Coogler took on the writing um, uh, of this film, I guess. He was the story and screenplay writer uh, and uh, did bring in the talents of Joe Robert Cole to co-write this story with him, who was also a writer on the first film. Uh, And, yeah, he, um, both of them, have done such a good job of being able to mould a story so it does feel like a natural... Uh, succession of the events uh, that we've seen Black Panther in up until this point uh, and I really did appreciate um, I guess what they've been able to go through to get this film out. Now I've had my trials and tribulations with the Marvel franchise in recent years. Uh, I have expressed those angers and concerns um, over the last Yeah, a couple of years. So I'm not in, uh, I guess, the the favor of Marvel at the moment. I've been quite frustrated with a lot of their output recently, especially in this phase four period. But that's not to say I haven't enjoyed things in there. There's definitely been some bright spots. I quite enjoyed Shang-Chi. The Eternals had its moments, and I also really enjoyed um, a a large portion of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Whilst it does fall apart towards the third act, it does have a lot to enjoy there. Uh, And No Way Home was a lot of fun. Uh, It's just been some of the TV output. Moon Knight was a flat line for me. Uh, She-Hulk, which I'll get into, that will be the second half of this discussion, we will be recapping She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and Thor, Love and Thunder, which is the other film that I didn't really enjoy too much. So we'll get into all of that. Um, But, yeah, I just wanted to address the fact that this film uh, would have been, you know, a a very treacherous um, film. Process, I guess to get it out the door so appreciate the work that Marvel have gone through to get there um, and the fact that the film did turn out um, to be quite enjoyable I, I didn't love this film but I definitely didn't hate it so that's that uh, let's get stuck into this one so take it away trailer. serpent god killing him will risk eternal war he's coming for the surface world we know what you whisper Cool. Yeah. so black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever, was written by Ryan Coogler and the previously mentioned Joe Robert Cole and directed by Ryan Coogler. Uh, the film stars Leticia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, uh, Denai uh Winston Duke, Angela Bassett, um, as well as our film's villain, uh, Tanakhuta, I hope that's how you say it, as Namor. Uh, Martin Freeman is there as well. We also have Dominic Thorne. Uh, playing the role of Riri, or Riri, um, and she essentially is the Ironheart character. Um, we also have, uh, you know, a few others. We'll say there's a, there's a big cast here, and I won't go through them all. Um, the film follows um, as the people of Wakanda fight to protect their home. Uh, from intervening world powers as they mourn the death of their king, T'Challa. So that's the film on its simplest level, but essentially what's happening here is that we have a new threat to Wakanda, um, as there's been the development of a new technology uh, that can seek out uh, vibranium. Uh, From what we understand, the only place on the Earth that has vibranium is uh, Wakanda, Um, but yeah, it looks like they've detected some in the lost city of Atlantis, even though the film doesn't call it that because we have another underwater uh, film um, with Aquaman that does use that title so they can't use it as well Um, all the legalities behind that uh, but essentially, yeah, um, uh, Namor doesn't want his uh, home threatened, so he tries to join uh, allied forces with the Wakandans. But they don't really want a bar of that. There's a bunch of political intrigue going on as well as uh, the US are looking to mount forces against Wakanda as it looks like they're um, killing you know um, people who are searching for this um, material and. Yeah, that sort of springs everything into action. So, um, we've seen a plot like this, you know, similar before, the resources and the fighting over resources uh, with Avatar, I guess, is the one that comes to mind. And um, the comparisons are, are, you know, uncanny with, the, um, I guess, our aquatic um, friends in this film uh, with their blue appearance, you know, is very reminiscent of the Na'Vi in Avatar. So, Um, we have that comparison as well. So we can see why Black Panther was bumped here um, to be moved forward because we've got Avatar in a month, which is probably a good prelude to that. Uh, So Disney working their magic to make sure that their schedule is all beefed up. And it's good for the movie theaters as well uh, to give them something, you know, like this um, and this scale uh, just before Christmas. Um, And yeah, it's good to lead into it. And I can see why Aquaman um, to the Lost Kingdom moved because yeah, there was no way that they were going to all be able to compete with one another. So smart move on their behalf, smart move on Disney's behalf to, to space these ones out too. But getting into the actual film, uh, now I'll try not to give too many spoilers away. Um, it will be inevitable, so minus spoilers ahead. Um, I guess I've already said that with the introduction of Ironheart. But um, what we get here is essentially... Um, uh, A story about mourning and and coming to terms with grief and I guess accepting that grief. Now, um, T'Challa's family, um, I guess we see the fallout after the events of the first Black Panther. We've got some um, pretty hefty references to uh, what happened there with Killmonger uh, and I guess the the way that it's affecting the family. So we've got Queen Ramonda, played by Angela Bassett, uh, who is trying to put the pieces of the kingdom back together whilst also fighting off the... Um, the, the forces that, be that are trying to infiltrate Wakanda. Um, and then we have Shuri, and I guess she's our protagonist here. And what we're following is Shuri's journey of, of coming to terms with the loss of her brother and also trying to find out who she is too. Um, and I, I appreciate that dynamic between these characters. Now, I'll be completely honest, I wasn't a huge fan of the first Black Panther movie, I've come to appreciate it a little more. Um, I was a little angry when it came out just because of its reception. The fact that that movie got nominated for Best Picture ahead of other films that came out that dealt with very similar issues, uh, including The Hate You Give, Blind Spotting, Sorry to Bother You, it frustrated me to no end. And it wasn't just the Oscars, it was just the reception of audiences in general. Um, I was just a bit annoyed that everyone was praising this film for being revolutionary when other films that year alone. Had done what Black Panther was doing, um, in, in my opinion, better. But since then, I, I've come to appreciate that it wasn't, you know, the the fact that those you know those films didn't get recognised. It's the fact that this film actually reached that broader audience and finally got some of those um, conversations happening. And I guess with the the Black Lives Matter movement, um, a couple years later as well. Um, you know we saw that fully come to fruition and I appreciate that f- the film now in, in more respects than what I, I, I did previously and like I said it was just more so just my frustrations with the lack of acknowledgement for those other films um, and, and the lack of appreciation from general audiences but hopefully now since Black Panther has come out uh, those audiences have gone and checked out some of these other films. And uh yeah, that's all I wanted to say there. But I, I do appreciate um, with this film that it does follow directly the events of uh, Black Panther. Now, it does take into account, of course, the events of Infinity War and Endgame because you can't not acknowledge what happened in those two films because they're so large. Um, but I appreciate that the film takes a step back and it does feel like it does have a voice behind it, which is something that I've again complained about on numerous occasions, that these Marvel films do feel like a studio product. They feel like they're all put onto a conveyor belt and they're all just, you know, um, put out to the masses. And, A lot of the time that is the case, but with this film it does feel like it does have that Ryan Coogler touch. I've been a fan of his for quite some time. I love Fruitvale Station and what he did with the first Creed was remarkable. I'm a huge Creed fan. Um, So I really appreciate what he's been able to do uh, with, you know, smaller films and then moving into these big blockbuster tentpole films, uh, but bringing a lot of his sensibilities still to that. So, I appreciate that this film, whilst it does have a lot of the Marvel issues, like I mentioned, it's got you know a, a few narrative um, problems and it's overly long. The film does not need to be two hours and 45 minutes long. You could easily shave, I reckon, half an hour to 45 minutes off this movie. Um, it just has a lot of those bombastic action set pieces that we've seen billions of times at this point, especially in this franchise. But I do appreciate that the film does take its time to really... Um, I guess flesh out some of its characters. Now, Shuri uh, was, you know, prominent in the in the other Black Panther film and does have an appearance in Infinity War and Endgame. Um, but she's given a lot more to do here, and I, I really like Letitia Wright's um, character. I also appreciate that the film has a predominantly uh, female uh, cast here, without shoving it down our throats. It's it's not a Captain Marvel situation where the film is trying too hard in that regard to, to say, hey, we've got a, a, a female lead. We don't need to do that. We don't need to promote it like that. Just have the characters do their thing, make it natural within the story and make it work. And I feel like they do it really well here because um, you know, I, I like Captain Marvel. I, I think it's a fine movie, um, but uh, it was more so the behind the scenes and the way that they were propping it up and Brie Larson's disastrous run on... Um, on various interviews that she had. But uh going back to Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, uh, the film definitely does uh, focus on these characters and there's some fantastic performances here. Um, specifically, I wanted to mention two um, that stood out. Now, Letitia Wright's, fantastic as Shuri, um, Lupita Nyong'o is wonderful as Nakia. Um, I wish she was in the film a little earlier because as soon as Lupita Nyong'o shows up, she just changes the, the film in terms of its tone. She's just such a warm presence. Um, and I love her. She's brilliant. But the two I wanted to speak about, uh, directly, um, was Danai Guerra's performance as a um, She's brilliant. Uh, she has now knocked it out of the park in every single one of these MCU performances. Now, I've seen her in other things as well, uh, but I guess her most prominent work, of course, has been here. She's, of course, been on The Walking Dead. Uh, she, she's done a bunch of other things, but uh, you know she, she's predominantly known for her work here. Um, I always go back to that scene in Infinity War where everyone turns to dust. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen Infinity War, uh, but when Black Panther T'Challa turns to dust and then it cuts to her reaction afterwards and she is just legitimately terrified and and is lost and she's just like sobbing and hyperventilating at the same time. Even thinking about it just like gets me worked up because her reaction everyone else is doing the stoic superhero thing, you know, you've got Captain America, like, looking directly in the camera with, like, this, like, squinty-eyed look. Not judging anyone else's performance. I, I love that movie. I, I appreciate the cheese. I, I like it. Uh, but it's more so her performance in that sequence. I'm like, uh, she's got a little bit something that, you know, um, yeah. she doesn't need to be giving this level of performance here, and she's absolutely killing it. She's fantastic again here. Um, there is a fantastic sequence between her and Ramonda, played by Queen Ramonda played by Angela Bassett, uh, where the two of them are going toe-to-toe as um, Okoye has um, missed her assignment, essentially, and the two of them just go toe-to-toe on screen. in One of the best acted scenes of the year, and that's funny, me talking about this in a Marvel movie, but my goodness, uh, Angela Bassett, uh, she's brilliant here. She is absolutely brilliant, and I would be shocked if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar um, for her performance here because she is just stunning. She She's fantastic, uh, this sequence in particular, I can just already see it playing. There's just no music and it's just dialogue between the two of them. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this is out of this world. This is far better than what I was expecting here. And that goes to Ryan Kugler's direction too, but credit where cre- credit's due. Uh, Denai Guerra and Angela Bassett are just wonderful, uh, wonderful performances from both of them. Um, but the supporting cast, like I mentioned, are actually really strong here too, but special shout out to those two because they, they just kill it. Um, but Winston Duke um, was probably a, a bit of a scene stealer for many. A lot of the humor here didn't work for me, but um, I, a lot of laughs in the, the screening I went to and a lot of them came from M'Baku's character. Now, um, Winston Duke, of course, uh, love him. I think he's fantastic and he's good as this character. Um, but yeah, the humor just didn't work for me. It just felt really flat, but I appreciate, you know, people are enjoying it, so I'm in the minority there. Um, and then we have um, Tanok um, H- H- Hirata, I hope I'm saying that correctly, um, who plays Namor, um, our villain. I thought he was really good too. A lot of his dialogue is 80-yard though, I noticed, um, especially a couple sequences on a beachfront. There's a conversation between Queen Ramonda and Namor on a beach and all of his dialogue is clearly 80-yard. Um, So I don't know if there was um, his accent maybe uh, a bit too thick. Uh, Like a lot of the dialogue in these movies is incredibly, um, you know, it's incredibly, um, I guess, ADR. Like a a lot of ADR is used. Now, for those who don't know, ADR essentially is the recording of dialogue in post-production. So when you're filming um, on a set, They use in-camera mics. They use booms to operate a scene, Uh, but if there's you know a a lot of outside noise, sometimes the dialogue is hard to pick up, and because of the outside noise, it's hard to distinguish between outside noise um, and or you know diegetic diegetic. Um, and non-diegetic sounds (coughs) going back all the way to English, uh, year 10 here. Um, But essentially, yeah, just um, recording dialogue in post-production. And, you know, nearly every single movie does this. Um, But, yeah, it's not normally this noticeable. So I I did notice it in a couple of sequences, specifically outside sequences. So I'm not sure if it was a particularly windy day. Um, A lot of it would have been shot on a soundstage, though, so I don't really know what the problem was. Um, but it, a lot of it was to do with Namor's uh, character, but I thought he was a really strong villain. Um, and, you know, that's something that the MCU has struggled with. Um, but the black Panther movies have now knocked it out of the park with both of their villains. Uh um, is nowhere near as strong as Killmonger, but, um, I mean, it's Michael B. Jordan, um, who is, but I really appreciated, um, you know, his character and I, I appreciate his arc as well. I also appreciate that he isn't killed off, Now, um, uh, it sounds contradictory because I've complained many times before about the fact that a lot of characters in the MCU aren't killed off and it lessens the stakes. Uh, But in the case of this, uh, I appreciate more so when a villain isn't killed off. Uh, I I like the prospects of villains returning for repeat movies, especially with some of the talent they have involved. Um, I'll talk about it briefly, but Thor Love and Thunder, I mean, (laughs) Gore the God Butcher, what? the best part of that movie easily the best part of that movie and you kill him off without giving him anything it's so unceremoniously just pathetic it just it doesn't work for me it's just yeah really hard um to get over and i appreciate in this film yeah Namor is still alive and we potentially might see him in future black panther installments we'll just wait and see what his capacity will be in the mcu but i appreciate that he's still alive um But his whole story, I mean, it's pretty much he just wants to protect his people. Um, We get a bit of backstory um, as to why he hates humanity. Um, But essentially, yeah, we we get all the backstory we need and it never feels forced. So I appreciate that. Um, And in terms of the appearance of the Black Panther, everyone knows who it is, but I'm not going to spoil it here. Um, Just go in and watch it. Um, there is a post-credit scene, uh, mid-credit scene. I guess it's not at the end of the credits. Um, not your typical Marvel uh, mid-credit scene, but hey, it's there. Um, and we have a bit of a side plot going on with Martin Freeman's character and Julie Louise Dreyfus, who plays our um, she's like the the new Thunderbolt Ross, I guess, even though he's still going to be in it, played by Harrison Ford. That's a whole other discussion. I don't get it. Um, but. Yeah, um, we have a bit of a love story, you know, previous, it's all boring, anything with those two characters, it comes to a halt when they're on screen together, which is a shame, because I love both of them, but their side plot was incredibly uninteresting, and you could have easily cut it out of this movie, um, but uh, I found it fascinating that Julia Louise Dreyfuss's character was brought into the film. Now, she previously appeared in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, you know, something that uh, Kevin Feige did state was that the TV shows or the Marvel limited series on Disney plus were going to exist in their own little bubble. Um, you know, that they would have effects on the MCU, certain ones, especially like one division, um, has a pretty big impact on the events of Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness. Um, Falcon and the winter soldier is a prelude to the next captain America, uh, new world order. As we see, um, Sam, AKA Falcon now take up the mantle of captain America. Um, and it's you know, him coming to terms with that decision. Listen to my whole review on that on that one. Uh, but yeah, I was a bit sh- shocked at that because, I mean, um, it doesn't really affect it because you, if you're watching the show uh, or the film, you can just say, oh, it's Julie Louise It's how cool to see her in this. But she obviously has appeared previously um, as she appears in that show. So yeah, interesting choice to bring her in this way. Um, and considering she's a minor character, could have been anyone, or in general, just not been in the film, um, but overall, um, yeah, this, this film is is enjoyable, um, I, I, I have issues with the CGI, which I have for the last 10, 15 Marvel entries, um, it all looks like vomit, which is a shame, because like, you know, I, I appreciate the work, that goes into making something like this, but I just know how rushed, some of the productions are, and, that end third act battle just looks awful and it just, it's so disappointing. Um, and considering, you know, that the new trailer for Avatar The Way of Water um, plays directly before this film, um, it's so jarring. I, I mentioned this um, before seeing Doctor Strange because that was the last film that had, uh, you know, a trailer for Avatar The Way of the Water you cut directly from such beautiful looking visuals. And now there are some shots that look unfinished, but I'm sure they will be finished up by the time the film comes out. Um, though uh, could be a Marvel situation here. Not entirely sure. Don't know what that film's going to be like, but all I know is that a lot of the footage we've seen so far is gorgeous. So the the juxtaposition of seeing that and then going to these real cartoonish looking green screens, it's kind of disappointing um, for me. I, I I just, yeah, I don't like to see it. Um, but overall, um, you know these little minor nitpicks aside, I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I thought it was thoroughly entertaining. I, I don't know if it's as good as the first Black Panther. I'd have to see it probably again. Um, but at two hours and forty-five minutes, I'm not going to be rushing to do that anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, I do appreciate the the task that Ryan Coogler had um, ahead of him, and he makes it work. I, I feel like this is a really good sequel. It would have been interesting to see what the sequel would look like if those events didn't happen, but I think that he does such a, a good job here. Um, in terms of paying respects to Chadwick Boseman, we have a really haunting sequence at the start of the film uh, where we see the Marvel logo, the Marvel theme music doesn't play, um, and instead of seeing all of the events leading up until that point, we've seen you know Endgame and uh, events from Phase 4. We just have a, a montage of... Uh, Chadwick Boseman's time as Black Panther filling out the Marvel logo, and yeah, it was really touching and and quite haunting. And the way that the film ends, where Shuri and um, Nakia are sitting on a on a beach essentially, and um, Shuri finally sheds some tears for her brother, and we get a bit of a montage of her thinking it back to the moments that the two of them shared. Um, and yeah, it's really quite touching and and respectful, and I appreciate that because um, like I said this would have been a, a monumental task for Ryan Coogler Kevin Feige and the whole cast and crew um, to tackle especially you know that this film is ready to go and shoot um, and then um, unfortunately Chadwick Boseman um, does pass so uh, yeah quite heartbreaking uh, but I think the film does a really respectful job of being able to, to um, push through and, and provide a quality product um, one of the better entries in the MCU as of late so yeah, um, go and check it out on a big screen. It does sound good, and it does have some uh, good visuals. But that third act, yeah, it needed some more work. Another another thirty minutes in the oven, um, and we might have got something that looks a little better. Uh, but overall, yeah, uh, an enjoyable film. Um, I would recommend it. Um, I'm, I'm probably give it a six and a half to a seven out of ten. Probably a seven. I think six and a half is a bit a bit rough. But yeah, seven out of ten. I thought it was enjoyable. Um, but, yeah, that's that's Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Now, I thought I might touch base on two other Marvel properties briefly. Now, this is going to be a bit of a combined review and nothing uh, too spectacular. Um, and I have done a review of Thor Love and Thunder on my Instagram and Facebook pages, just a brief snapshot review. Uh, but I did want to talk about it briefly. So that film, again, was directed by Taika Waititi and... Uh, stars Chris Hemsworth again as Thor among the Guardians appearing uh, Jane Foster returns with Natalie Portman playing that character Uh, we have Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie uh, Korg played by the director himself Taika Waititi um, and uh, Russell Crowe um, turning up as Zeus and of course Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher Um, but yeah the film was a mess Uh, tonally um, it doesn't flow at all we have a plot where Jane Foster's character is diagnosed with terminal cancer, um, and this is intercut with um, jokes of Thor just being a bumbling fool uh, throughout the entire one hour and fifty minute runtime. And I, I talk about um, you know Black Panther feeling way too long. This movie is nearly you know like an hour shorter, and it feels an hour longer than what that movie does. Uh, it just doesn't work. It's such a such a mess of a movie tonally. We cut from you know this cancer drama. Um, And this real character stuff between Thor and Jane Foster to this just dumb, dumb humor of like screaming goats. And it's just nightmare fuel. It just, it's just awful. Like it's such a, I don't know, it's, it's one of my least favorite Marvel movies. And I didn't think it would be Um, even watching it. You know, I was sort of like sitting back and I was like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, but it's okay. Then the longer I thought on it, I was like, ah, this movie is a mess. Um, We have, like, a third act that's, like, straight out of a kid's movie. Um, You know, just some really terrible improv. Um, Taika Waititi's like, oh, there's, like, an hour and a half on the cutting room floor. And I was like, I don't want to see that. (laughs) This is, like, the best you guys had. I don't want to see that hour and a half. I really couldn't give two fucks. Like, it's so bad. Um, You know, the CGI looks awful. There's a really cool sequence in, like, the negative zone. Um, visually that was interesting and uh gore the god butcher felt like he was straight out of another movie too considering we've got all this kitty stuff going on and then we cut to sequences where like he's like you know like bleeding at the mouth and just like like fucking horrid um and you know christian bale's clearly having a great time on set and, and absolutely reveling in playing this character but man oh man was this a, a miss especially after thor ragnarok a film that i quite enjoyed and I'm a Taika Waititi fan. I've been following his career for quite some time, um, but his ego is—it it needs to be checked. He—he um, he thinks he's far too good, and he doesn't have that many good movies uh, under his belt for him to be, you know, have that chip on his shoulder. So, hopefully, he reigns it in. Um, he's got a great film um, premise coming out uh, with. Uh, uh, Essentially, you know, uh, the story about um, the soccer roos, the Australian soccer team who beat America's Samoa's uh, team. It's the biggest victory um, on the world stage in soccer history. Um, and it's about that American Samoa team, and I guess leading up to the events of that monumental loss. So, um, yeah, a feel good story, like in, in the vein of a Jojo Rabbit or Hunt for the Wilder people. I'm sure that's what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, stay well. I don't know, just, just stay away from the MCU. Taika TD and, yeah, everyone just stay away from Thor, Love and Thunder. Um, really didn't like it. I'd probably give it a 3 out of 10. Sounds rough, but man, oh, man, I, I didn't like this movie. Um, and then next up we have She-Hulk, uh, Tony at Law. And now I did finish this thing, and I know a lot of people checked out after, like, episode 4, and I know how many people hate this this show, but... Um, the first episode hooked me. Um, I, I really liked Tatiana um, Moslani. Um, I thought she was quite good um, as as a lead character. I, I thought she was quite entertaining. Um, she, she has a good comedic prem- uh, presence um, and and the show itself had like you know this this fun little premise uh, and the promise of uh, Charlie Cox returning as Daredevil was keeping me on board but it doesn't happen till the second last episode. And uh, it's not worth it. Um, the show falls apart really quickly. It shows its hand in that first episode, and it doesn't live up to it since uh, since it had uh, really just fell apart quickly. Uh, Tim Roth's character as Abomination or um, Neil Blonsky um, is now like a pacifist. We have like a fun exchange with um, uh, a character. Um, what's his name? Wong um, showing up, and we have a, a bit of. Um, a bit of fun there, but yeah, this show, this is a real flat line. Um, the last episode is one of the worst things I've seen. I no, it is. It, it's the worst thing I've seen in the MCU. Um, it was, it was fucking horrid. Um, it, it breaks, uh, there's multiple fourth wall breaks during the film or the show miniseries, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, and you know, during these, um, these sequences, it, it, you know, it's not too, um, it's not too jarring. Uh, it feels out of place because there's not much else of it going on. Um, but yeah, essentially the last episode, um, she breaks out of her uh, her show. Um, I thought my TV had broken because um, we have a sharp cut uh, in the last episode to the Disney Plus home screen and she crawls out of the She-Hulk thing. I was like, what the fuck's going on with my TV? um and i was like oh no no this is this is happening as soon as i see her face but well, as soon as the tile falls down i was like ah oh, this is part of the show what are we doing here um and she goes to speak to kevin feige we find out kevin feige is a um is a fucking android um and she wants the ending of a show changed um and she gets the happily ever after um you know it could work i'm sure if if the fourth wall stuff was you know more prominent during the episodes like there's a good three episodes where nothing of that nature happens um so yeah i, I don't know it falls apart for me um real quickly uh the lack of a real antagonist during the runtime of of the the show as well is is quite frustrating um the cgi on her character looks fucking abysmal um, as well and I, you know, like I appreciate that something like this has a lower budget than what Black Panther, Wakanda, Forever or Thor, Love and Thunder has but you know, those sh- films are struggling with CGI so you can imagine what a much lower budget looks like. Um, there's some interesting stuff with her and Mark Ruffalo's few appearances as the Hulk in that first episode and then in the last episode but yeah, the, the show's a flat line. It's not the worst thing in the MCU. I know a lot of people think it is. It, it's not. Um, I would actually say Thor 2 and um, Thor Love and Thunder are worse than what She-Hulk is. Um, That's the honest truth. Uh, And I would even say, you know, um, in retrospectively looking back at Moon Knight, and um, I haven't watched Ms. Marvel, so I don't really know what's going on there. I I will watch it eventually, just haven't got around to it. But, um, you know, what happens in Moon Knight... Uh, and even retrospectively looking back at um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, that those shows are just so dull. Um, yeah, none of this Marvel TV stuff has really reached the heights of WandaVision for me, um, and just, uh, you know, a lesser extent. But I enjoyed Loki. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't know. They, these lesser Marvel properties are really noticeable when they're this this bad, Um and I would say, yeah, Thor, Love and Thunder, and She-Hulk, uh, they don't get a recommend from me. I, I, I'd stay well clear of them. They're not worth your time. She-Hulk isn't worth the hate. Um, I know a lot of people are just up in arms, which I don't really get. I, I don't know why you get so cranky about something like this. I mean, it is what it is. If you watch that first trailer, did you really think it was going to get any better? I mean, that that was the look. That was, that was them trying to sell their product, and it looked that fucking bad, so... <laughs> um yeah i i I don't think you need to to worry yourself with those but definitely check out wakanda forever because it's a bit of fun and um i i think it's it's very tasteful in the way that it handles things and i i had a good time with it I, i really did enjoy it it's the first time i've i've enjoyed a marvel product this much in quite some time so well i mean shang chi aside and like I said, that first half of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but in terms of just like actually enjoying the story that's in front of me, it's worth your time. So definitely check it out Um, and yeah, stay well clear of Thor 4 and She-Hulk. They're not worth your time. Uh, But That brings this episode to a close, guys. Thank you again for listening. Uh, Make sure you check out my other episodes. I did a Halloween hangover episode for Barbarian, um, and yeah, I mean to have these podcasts out to you more frequently, uh, heading into Christmas, I guess we're slowing down a bit with some of the releases, uh, might do something fun for Christmas. I haven't really thought, um, you know, too far ahead, even though Christmas is just around the corner, but wait and see what I do. Um, I'll, I'll, will aim to have an episode a week leading up to Christmas. So stay tuned for that, but thanks again, guys, for listening and until next time, peace out.